the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Nice to see all of you today. Nice to be seen by all of you online. Uh, as we begin the sermon, I want for you to think, uh, imagine, or, or maybe even close your eyes and just and think of the very best memories that you have in your life. I and mean, what are the scenes that kind of pop up when I invite you to that? What are uh, walk around in them? Take, take take notice of everything that's there. The answers, of course, are going to be different for everybody here. But there is one thing that's going to be almost universally true, and that is that you are not alone in these memories. You're with someone. All of mine involve uh, my wife Amy and or my children. Um, and for you, maybe it's your wedding day, maybe it's when your child is born, maybe uh, you're on some great trip, but uh, almost assuredly, in every one of these memories that are the best in your life, you are with someone that you love and who loves you. God made us in his image. And he is, God is intrinsically and inherently relational. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a relational being himself. And so we, who are made in that image, we are also inherently relational. One of the great graces and gifts that God has given us in this life is uh, that we can have friends and family relationships, love, shared in our life. Now, if you go the other way, Think of the worst memories in your life. Chances are you're not alone in those either, are you? Many of those involve someone that you are very close to. In fact, um, someone, uh, some of you are probably getting sad as I talk about loving relationships because you have a very present situation that is breaking your heart. Uh, someone that you love very much said something that was very hurtful. Or did something that was very disappointing. Maybe you're estranged. It is true that one of the great graces in this life is that God has given us relationships. But it is also true that relationships are messy. And they can be hard. People who should love one another get crossways with one another. And that happens in families all the time. And it happens in the church. And Jesus, in our gospel passage this morning, addresses the reality of messy relationships head on. And what he tells us to do is not easy. In fact, far from it. I think it's very difficult. But what he tells us to do leads us to the grace and the comfort of the gospel. Now, it may be helpful for you to know that right before our verses in the gospel, uh, in fact, is within the same teaching to his disciples. Jesus has just told the disciples the parable of the lost sheep. You remember this parable, uh, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them wanders off, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And when he finds the one, he, is, he rejoices more over finding the one than over the 99 who never left. Jesus is teaching his followers about the heart of the Father for reconciliation with his people. Jesus says, It is not the will of my Father that even one of these little ones should be lost. 
And then Jesus moves immediately from there, from teaching about God's desire for reconciliation with us, from there he moves immediately to the application of how we apply this truth in our relationship with others. And Jesus says, if a member of the church sins against you, go and point out his fault when the two of you are alone. So, a member of the church, that translates the Greek word for brother. And, and it can mean a family relationship, but it can be a spiritual family relationship. It seems that in this context, Jesus is talking about the spiritual family, a Christian, a fellow church member. And it says, if they sin against you. Now, we talk a lot about sin against God. We don't talk as much about sin against one another, not in those terms anyway. But I think what Jesus is saying, this is a serious offense, but is is when, when someone has done something that has damaged our relationship, they have trespassed against us. And so Jesus says, you, if that, in that situation, you are to go to them privately and point out the fault. Now, this, this is not what we normally teach our children. It's not what I've taught my kids, right? This is um, what we normally teach. Is if you have trespassed against someone, if you have hurt someone, you go to them. You take the, the offender takes the initiative and goes to the offended and offers an apology. And the transgressor takes the initiative to make it right because the offended party is over there waiting for an apology, right? And, and that may be true, and I think we should apologize for sure. But Jesus is not, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is speaking to the offended party. When someone has sinned against you, don't wait for an apology. You go to them. You go to your brother and sister in Christ, and you seek reconciliation. Now, this takes, whew, this takes a lot of maturity. A lot of maturity. Jesus does not say, you go to a bunch of your friends, and you tell them all about what this sucker did to you, right? Gossip. Christians, we have a great way of handling this. We call it prayer requests. Like, oh, I got something for you to pray about. You would not believe John. You got to pray for him. Let me tell you what he did. Yeah, that's not great. Right? As a, a mentor of mine has said many times, we don't talk about people, we talk to them. So Jesus said, does not say go and gossip, nor does he say you go to the person and yell at them, get your anger out, demand an apology, get even. I mean, that's what we want. That's what I want. It's what feels natural. Jesus says the goal is to regain them, to heal the relationship. And so the offended approaches the offender calmly and with a heart full of love for that person to point out their fault. Now, this makes at least two assumptions. First, I think Jesus is working with the assumption that though in some way we have been trespassed against, we want to forgive. We want to forgive. It's like when Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Jesus is assuming that we're coming to them not to get even, but to get reconciled. 
And so we're coming with a heart of love for, not against, for the person who has hurt us. Second, Jesus' instruction makes the assumption that they may not even be aware of their fault. Now, they may be, but you are actually going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You are going to point it out to them. You're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was not intentional. Or maybe it was they were having a bad day and they wish they hadn't said it like that or something like that. Amy, my wife, knew a uh, woman who uh, had a great way of giving people the benefit of the doubt. She was uh, with her her daughter, and this other woman uh, said something very rude to her. And the daughter was taken aback and really, you know, just kind of anxious, nervous about the tension that was suddenly between them. And, and the woman whispered to her daughter, Honey, I think her shoes must be a little bit tight today. <laughs> it takes a lot of grace to give someone the benefit of the doubt if they have done something to hurt the relationship. It takes a lot of grace to want to repair the relationship when we have been hurt. And a lot of grace to take the initiative as the offended party rather than stew and wait for an apology that may or may not ever come and certainly won't come if they actually don't know. I mean, I've I've had people, many people, (laughs) daily, uh, sometimes in, in, in the house, but just come to me and and that I didn't know that I'd hurt them. And I'm grateful for that because I actually did want to, would want to make it right. If we're the offended party, taking the initiative to repair the relationship, I have to say that that puts us in a little bit of a vulnerable position, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we're having to uh, bestow trust upon a person who has, has broken that trust. It takes a lot of maturity, a lot of grace, a lot of grace. And isn't it interesting, too, that Jesus does not tell us to try to get them to agree. He says the goal is for them to listen. They may stand their ground. They may defend their actions. They may even point out a fault of ours that we had not considered. I mean, it's possible, isn't it, that, that they're right and we're wrong. But at least we are gaining some understanding. We are uh, gaining some context for the comment or the action that hurt us. The goal is not agreement. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is to regain the relationship. At the end of the day, we may agree to disagree. We are trying to regain the relationship. Now, what if they won't listen? Jesus actually says we must keep our heart open to them. Go back to them. We don't throw up our hands and say, well, I tried. Go back. This time, take a couple of people. Maybe they can help gain some middle ground. They can say something in a way that gets through. And if that doesn't work, Jesus says, take it to the church. Now, Jesus didn't say, stand, stand up in the, during announcements. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I think, come and talk to uh, Father Trent. No, come and talk to uh, the pastors. And uh, come and talk to maybe the elders. Maybe if, if I'm the one who's offended, go and talk to the bishop if it warrants that. But, but um, I mean, hopefully I would have already listened in the, first, in the first round. But the goal is to go get the one lost sheep, right? The goal is always reconciliation, not to expose the person, embarrass them, shame them. 
And I have to say, I've never actually been a part of a situation in the church where it's gotten quite this far. Because if it's handled like this, this Matthew 18 model, and it's handled prayerfully and with uh, humility, then there's goodwill, and then it usually just oh, people work it out. But I've definitely seen more than my share of instances where people did not follow this, and they either just stayed mad or they left the church without saying anything. And that's not good either. Jesus says, take it to the church. And if the elders get involved, but they still won't listen, then treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now, is Jesus being ugly here? I don't think so. Because I think what Jesus is saying is treat them like someone who needs to hear the gospel. I mean, what's what we want for people who are not in the church? We want them to hear the gospel, right? We want to... Love them with our actions. Jesus is saying we must keep our heart open to them. They may not be ready, but we must keep our heart open to them. Because the goal is reconciliation. The joyful relationships that we were made for. And listen, there's always hope. There's always hope as long as there's a risen Savior, an empty tomb. As long as there's a Holy Spirit to work in hearts and minds and change. There's always hope. So on the heels of the parable that God, about God's reconciling love for us, Jesus tells us to seek reconciliation with those who have trespassed against us. Now, I can end it right there, right? Amen. Whew. How would that sit with you? I mean, it sounds good, right, on one level, but then we start thinking about it. It might be possible if we're talking about something small, like maybe they forgot to send us a Christmas card or... Something like that, but I mean, what if, what if we're talking about something big? I mean, are there limits to what Jesus is asking of us? What about the spouse who cheated on you? What about your brother who spent the inheritance? What about your business partner? He goes to the church down the road. He's on the, he's on the vestry there, but he stole from the company. I mean, Christians, this is talking about Christians and Christians, right? But the Christians have done some pretty rotten things to Christians. How far does Jesus expect us to take this? And the farther you go down that road, the greater the offense, the quicker we realize we might not have the tools to do what Jesus is asking us to do. We may not be able to conjure up the, the grace the will to forgive, that desire to reconcile. We might get mad. The further we go down that road, the more likely we are to wonder, how can Jesus ask this of us? It's a bar too high. Remember what I said at the beginning, that what Jesus asks of us leads us to the gospel of grace. And what we must see, what we must see is that before this calls us to go to those who have sinned against us, it describes what God has already done for us. Before it calls us to go to those who have sinned against us, it describes what God has already done to us. See, in our relationship with God, God is the offended party. And we have sinned against Him in thought word and deed by things we have done and things we have left undone. We are the sheep 
who has gone astray. Each one of us. And he, the offended, the sinned against God, he came after us. He approached us in the person of Jesus Christ. He left His place in heaven out of the glory and into the mess and the brokenness of humanity. He reached us in love with the heart to reconcile. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He died for the sins we had committed against Him. And He rose so that we might be reconciled. Him. He's the offended party. We are the trespassers. He has come to us. He loved us when we didn't deserve it. He trusted us when we hadn't earned it. His arms are open to us no matter the height of the offense, no matter the number of offenses. There is no limit to His grace for you. There is no end to His love for you. What Jesus calls us to do, He has already done for us. We must see that first. We must see that first. Because it's only in the security and the strength of knowing in your deepest heart that you are loved like that. That you are a sinner who has been forgiven like that. It's only from having drunk deeply from the fountain of God's grace, only from letting the Holy Spirit of God work in you, that we can begin to be givers of grace. Go to those who have sinned against us to keep our hearts open to them to regain our brother and sister. Not to condemn, but to save. Because we were made for relationships. And it's hard to keep that heart open, isn't it? It's only through Christ and the Spirit working in us. So who do you need to reach out to? Can we do that in the strength of God's grace for you? Amen.